0: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. About a million listens a month. And today, I hope they're all listening to Tech Bytes, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is online at a company called Bento Box. If you're in the restaurant business, the business end of the business, you've probably heard of them. Uh, you can find them at getbento.com. They are the leading website, digital online toolbox for restaurants. If you have a restaurant and a website, you probably know who they are. Joining us today is Crystal Mobiani, who is the CEO and founder of Bento Box. And she's been on the show. I was just looking back while I was filling out my notes for this episode. The first time she was on the show was February of 2018, episode 126. And today we are January 2020, and we are Tech Bytes episode 255. So Congratulations to all of us, Crystal, for still being here, (laughs) (laughs) being in business, completely different world, recording the show remotely on Zencaster. The first time, the first times you were on the show, we were in the studio at Roberta's Pizza. Um, Today we can't see each other. We're just talking to each other because it's all remote, but it's kind of, um, I'm happy to be talking to you, old friend, you know, and Person who has perspective in the industry, which is um, so important, especially these days. And especially when it comes to technology, it's fun to talk to entrepreneurs and people starting something new and developing something in the big idea phase and maybe something that they haven't even quite finished building yet. Um, But especially in the restaurant industry, it's always helpful to have some perspective and hindsight. Agreed.
2: And yeah, really, really excited to be back here. Thanks for having me on.
1: So we have covered the Bento Box annual sort of year-end report, restaurant trend report previously. And, you know, the, the great thing about the business of Bento Box is it is tracking the business of the restaurant industry. So for Tech Bytes, it's a great look at, you know, your business will tell us what's happening globally in the rest of the world, which is great. You have currently, I think this report takes a look at data from 7,500 plus restaurants worldwide that are on the Bento Box platform, which is a fantastic pool to pull data from. And, you know, we've seen over the years in talking about this the trend of increased time online, restaurants becoming um, more and more adept at online business, marketing, and commerce, and really starting to uh, not just find efficiencies, but I think probably one of the big takeaways is taking back business from other places, um, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily something people think about when they're visiting or not visiting a restaurant website. So let's just dig in and start real quickly with um, the top Trends from 2021, and then springboard into what you're looking at for 2022. I mean, I think it goes without saying, 2021 was another unusual year. It
2: was. I mean, lots of lots of peaks and valleys. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of our trends really reflect the things that took place in 2021. and, And a couple to to highlight is you know, we all started getting vaccinated in April, May, and we started seeing like lunch, uh, lunchtime, you know, traffic for restaurants coming back as, you know, people were returning to, to offices and then, you know, seeing that kind of decline as, as we got into the winter and, and, um, and things started, you know, leading into where we are today. Um, and, and in addition to that, we all have been hearing about, um, you know, struggles in the restaurant industry, supply chain issues, rising costs. And we saw, we saw a lot of changes in 2021 to restaurants' menus um, and menus being changed to optimize for um, the rising costs, um, increase of COVID surcharges applied to online orders, um, about like almost 40% an increase of COVID uh, surcharges. Um, and even the cost per item in carts, um, increasing like, you know, 60%. So just a few things that we've been hearing about that was really supported and um, through the data um, that we were getting through our websites and and e-commerce tools.
1: Rising costs across the board is something that everyone is looking at right now and everyone has Mm -hmm. been dealing with from supply chain to you know, food in your grocery store to cost of labor, electricity, all those types of things. In the re- On the restaurant front, from your vantage point, are rising costs symptomatic of just the global supply issues and the global rising costs that we all are dealing with? Or is it also a result of restaurants almost finally actually having to balance the books in real life versus sort of you know, skimming from Peter to pay Paul and this very delicate web of of um, rolling rolling finances that restaurants have typically functioned under.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that to your first point, um, you know, we could see obviously direct increase in like food costs, for example. Um, but another interesting piece of information is, um, 84% restaurants paid more for labor. And so that's, that's kind of when you get into, um, kind of the second point you were making, um, where it's maybe not as straightforward and, um, maybe perhaps some of the practices, um, that were happening on an, from an employment perspective, um, are starting to surface and, um, they need to start being addressed. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's, it is a little bit of, a little bit of both actually.
1: It's an interesting time um, when the finances of the job are become important, and certainly um, restaurants are paying more to hire people and to keep people and in mm-hmm. some instances, just an increase in salary or increase in wage isn't enough to bring yeah. people back to work, which is a whole yeah. other which is a whole other show um, <laughs> you know you open the trend report with the new normal and um, you know, restaurants have always been a volatile business. You are a, a founder in a tech company for restaurants, which is, you know, has to be something that's a little unpredictable as well. Um, new normal, is, is, that even, is that even actually a thing? Is it just people coming out and going back to work and, and hoping for the best? How can you, um, you know, it's, it's hard enough for restaurants to predict what's going to happen day to day now. How do you as a business predict what your clients will need day to day? It seems so much um, uncertainty. How do you plan to run a business in the new normal?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of new normal really reflects a lot of the maybe we're perceived as temporary um, adjustments you know or in in 2020 that all of us were making and especially restaurants in like diversifying their revenue streams online ordering becoming you know a staple um and those becoming you know trends that have you know were two years later um you know the sh- the shift from off premise revenue from a restaurant you know pre pandemic was you know about 30 40% of their revenue and now it's like 65 percent plus of their revenue. And so that's that's kind of the new, new normal is that the revenue isn't just all on premise um, and restaurants need to start thinking about how they can, you know, maximize the value of um, these diversified revenue streams. And, you know, what I'm talking about there is really taking ownership um, a bit more. And, uh, you know, a lot of them shifting to not rely so much on third-party apps where, Potentially, the economics don't really make sense. Um, so, yeah, I think restaurants have, have shifted to just operate in this, in this new normal as well. And, and consumers as well. I mean, I think um, there's been a lot of advocacy from consumers around supporting local and supporting um, their businesses in their neighborhood. And the best way they can do that is really going direct to the restaurant if they ever want to place an order.
1: Going direct to the restaurant sounds easy enough, but isn't always as easy as it sounds.
2: <laughs> we are creatures of convenience.
1: We are creatures of convenience. And also, you know, a few years ago, we did a show with a journalist who broke the uh, Grubhub WebGate story, which was Grubhub was putting up websites without the knowledge of restaurants that looked mm-hmm. like a restaurant's own website. So that if people were thinking, oh, I'm not going to go to a third-party app, I'm going to go to the restaurant's website and or directly from them with some idea of it being more beneficial to the restaurant, it was Mm -hmm. in fact simply an extension of Grubhub. And then likewise, all the orders that came through that website, the restaurant was charged for, for all the marketing and, and, um, you know, proprietary fees from Grubhub. And so that was You know, certainly something which was uh, surprising, I think, and made a lot of people angry. Yeah, as it should. Which kind of drives into two of your trends for 2021 dovetail into delivery. One is online ordering trends have just completely changed the landscape, which I think is going to consumers, staying at home, sheltering in place, not being able to go anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. That, you know, and people just online ordering just accelerating at a, at an extraordinary pace. But the, the detail that really struck out to me, um, and, and, and perhaps it's, it's like, if I were to pull like one line out of the entire report that would make people just stop and say, oh my gosh, um, ownership of online guest relations. So a restaurant Mm -hmm. owning their website, owning everything that comes through their website, 38.5 million dollars in savings with your yeah. customers from the third party mm-hmm. delivery apps. Love that's that a, that's like 39 that's almost 39 million dollars over the course of yeah. a year that restaurants took back from a third party app. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big number and
2: um you know and that's only you know we uh, at the time we have 7500 restaurant brands on board. I mean, that's like 1% <laughs> of restaurants. So like, if you just multiply that, um, like 1% of restaurants in the U S and so, yeah, the number, the number is, is staggering. And the amount that, you know, we as consumers, or I shouldn't say we as consumers, um, even restaurants end up paying, um, to these very large, uh, third-party delivery places. It's, um, it's, it's, it's astonishing. So, Um, but yeah, and and related to that, for us, you know, we provide these commerce tools for restaurants, um, but we've always known that that's not enough. You can't just like build it and they will come. Um, and restaurants are, you know, for the most part, small businesses, limited staff, they don't have like a marketing team in place for the most part. And so helping restaurants actually, um, uh, be smart marketers in a way that's like automated, kind of like set it and forget it, was a big focus of ours uh, at the end of 2020 into 2021, Um, like ways for automated emails to go out, um, delivery, I mean, I'm sorry, digital uh, loyalty programs. Um, And um, the uptake on those tools has been um, really dramatic. Um, You know, we've seen like Restaurants have very large increases in revenue, like uh, almost 200%. Just from send, set, turning on these automated email campaigns where if you are a diner, you place an order, like a week later, the system, Ventobox, on behalf of the restaurant will send out an email. Hey, you want to order again? Just like a simple reminder, like things that we get emails from like our favorite clothing online shops all the time. Um, but uh, that, those kind of reminders actually like make a difference to people.
1: So were these tools already in place with Bento Box, just as a part of the suite of tools that people can use and restaurants were more voracious about exploring them or finding out what they are and using them in 2021, just given the shift in on-premise to off-premise delivery and then also the realization of really how expensive third-party apps are or was there a new new component that you put into place for this that then really yeah. accelerated people's use
2: yeah yeah i mean we put a lot of we invested a lot of resources towards the end of 2020 starting to really build out these tools um and so there were um uh, smatterings of marketing tools, um, like kind of V ones that, it, that existed in the platform, but then we started really, um, doubling down on them. And so we expanded our offering, um, for marketing tools, like vastly, um, over the past year. And, um, and I'm glad we did, because I think it makes a huge difference.
1: So one of the other points from the trend report was that, you know, restaurant technology is becoming less fragmented and, Is that because restaurants are paying more attention to it and they're building a more efficient stack? Is it because lesser companies or products that maybe aren't as great or tied to old systems are sort of going by the wayside and it's a survival of the fittest type of thing where the the best and the easiest is just floating to the top and everything is Mm -hmm. going by the wayside? Or is it that people finally, you know, I often, I joke on this show, but I mean, you know quite well. Um, especially, you know, your lead in at the beginning, just given the nature of like the size of restaurant staffs and restaurants are primarily, were primarily focused to an on-premise experience, often joke that the tech level of of a restaurant is, you know, pencil on cocktail napkin sitting at the Mm -hmm. bar. Um, (laughs) So did people have time to stop when they were at home, you know, sheltering in place and like take a look at their tech stack or... (laughs) I mean, I I don't think overnight everybody became like the IT department, certainly, but... Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, I think that, um, I think it's less about, for restaurants, building a best-in-class tech stack of a bunch of different vendors and and connecting them together. I think it's less of that and more that um, many of the providers, us included, started expanding our feature sets and the POS companies and so on to, um, uh, offer, uh, more of the tools that restaurants needed, um, in a connected way. And now, you know, the lines are blurring so much, uh, between all of these different, different companies, um, that provide services to restaurants. And I think that restaurants will, for the most part, choose an end-to-end connected platform that is Pretty good um, versus going and buying like the best in class different tools and figuring out how to integrate them together. So, I do think that there is more consolidation and more uh, uh, consolidation within different companies and then expansion of their offering that has made quite a difference. And, um, you know, we saw just a massive increase in the number of restaurants using like four or more of our features, uh, some that are already were, you know, in the tool set and some that we've, you know, built out over time um, through, you know, since 2020.
1: I know certainly, you know, part of the relationship you have with your customers is that you get a lot of feedback from them. What what were some of the top uh, pain points for restaurant in terms of their technology, the things that they needed the most help understanding the things that they wish they had.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, um, the two things that come to mind are really having an experience uh, with technology that really reflected them as a, as a restaurant and that they had again, like ownership of. Um, And so for us, that was very easy to provide because we own the website you know, it's very much branded. It feels like them. it's on their URL. And so, um, that was something that we found that as they were adopting more technology, um, doing it in a way that felt authentic to the restaurant themselves with, instead of sending the guests somewhere else for a disconnected, um, experience was, was quite important to restaurants. And, um, and, um, I think that the other thing that really um, sticks out is uh, reporting um, and getting a lot more s- sophisticated with reporting. Um, now that they had this combination of on-premise and off-premise revenue, and they they had additional offerings outside of just prepared food on premise, you know, they're, you know, selling gift cards and, and cookbooks and um, online classes and they're, and all of those have different cost structures. And, um, you know, it got infinitely more complex and making sure that the reporting was set up in a way that restaurants could um, very easily um, understand how it uh, impacted their business was something that, You know, I think we're all, when I say we all, like all of us as technology vendors are continuing to try to improve the reporting.
1: Well, it's all that data and then what do you do with it and how you get it? It's really interesting. I've had a number of, um, an increased number of pitches from tech companies and publicists Pitching AI and data as the solution for restaurants to be more efficient, make more money, deal with staffing issues, all of that. And on the surface, um, you know, I think a lot of times my guess would be that many restaurant, you know, owners and people just will ask the question, like, how does that help my bottom line mm-hmm. to a certain extent? Like, yeah. how, how how exactly does data improve My staffing issues. Yep. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And it really depends on the, you know, uh, I think that there are a few different types of restaurants, and you have those that want access to the data, and they have maybe more, if you think about like hospitality groups, maybe have more built out teams that could um, leverage that data. Um, And so, first, making sure that they have access to it. And then, second, for you know, the other set of more independent, um, chef owner operated restaurants, um, they are more in like a do it for me type of mentality. So, you know, um, helping them automate, uh, what happens with that, with that information or provide actual actionable insights of, um, steps that they can take, um, is, uh, is really critical. Um, And I do think that, you know, I mean, maybe this is a good segue into the, the idea of automation, you know, in a restaurant. And I think that, you know, the right thing to focus on here is not how do you replace the experience at a restaurant by like replacing staff with, you know, automation, but how can you, with a limited, um, workforce, as most restaurants have right now, how can you automate a lot of the tedious, repetitive um, tasks that they have to do so that they can actually focus on the service or, you know, make the accuracy of what is being done versus kind of like maybe keying in orders or things that are just that, you know, could potentially be automated. Um, So that's kind of the lens that, that we look at how automation can like supplement, um, you know, staffing issues that are happening.
1: Well, that is on your automation for staffing issues is on the list of trends to watch in 2022. Um, so when you say automation for staffing issues, we're talking about automating things that staff does not automating the staff with a robot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, you know. Because um, robots are great, though. We are going to do some shows about robots as soon as people get, like, clearance to talk about a couple projects publicly. Oh, but that's we cool. love robots because it's, it's fun and it's the future. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um,
2: yeah, and there's, there's a lot of exciting things happening, and I think it depends on, you know, what a restaurant, how a restaurant wants to present itself. But, yeah, what we're talking about here is, um, you know, how can you make sure orders go into the POS in a way that is automated so restaurants aren't keying those in. I mean, staff members aren't keying those in. How can you provide ways for uh, someone to be able to pay on their phone so there isn't the, you know, take the card, swipe it, you know, um, bring it back and um, uh, or order, you know, an additional drink or something on their phone um, and just, Little things like that that just facilitate you kind know, of the service of the restaurant but don't actually replace it.
1: And sort of continuing on the staffing conversation, the staffing issues, one of the other trends for 2022 is restaurants evolving as employers. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have a sense of what I think that means, but what does that mean in the context of the trend that you're watching for 2022? What type of evolution do restaurants need to have as employers right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've all, we've, we've all, uh, you know, heard of like the, the great resignation that's, you know, happening all across, um, the country, but you know, in, in hospitality, the that's the highest, I mean, uh, more than twice the overall rate of other industries, and you know some of the things are low pay, lack of benefits, long hours, and so really I think that um, as restaurants think about how they can up the game in how much they're paying and and the types of benefits they're they're um, they're providing and do more with you know less you know well paid happier um, staff, you know, that's kind of where uh, you think about how some of these, like this, how some of this automation can, can come in. But yeah, I think that there is, oh, it's a, it's a great moment um, for restaurants to see how, um, you know, they can, they can evolve uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how they see their, see their staff.
1: It's definitely an interesting time on the restaurant front in terms of staff. And, you know, just talking about, um, you know, the evolution of the business, the change in the business from on-premise to off-premise, all of these online and digital, you know, marketing tools, ordering tools, tools for staff, Mm -hmm. data reports. I mean, I know you're not an employer, but certainly, you know, the careers page is a part of, you know, websites. Are there more tech jobs in restaurants now? Are people looking for somebody to run the types, you know, the online platform or the delivery or run those numbers? I mean, because typically those jobs in a small restaurant go to the person who tends to have the most savvy understanding of technology, but their full-time role in the restaurant is typically, you know, wine director or sous chef or, um, you know, GM and their, you know, their side hustle in the restaurant is it or website or delivery Mm -hmm. apps or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's still the case. I mean, with the, with the uh, labor shortage, I don't, um, I don't think that, um, restaurants are starting to create these, these new roles, but, you know, I think it's all interconnected, but expecting a lot more of their staff in terms of managing all of these disparate solutions. And so that's why I think as, you know, technology providers, we really need to, you know, make a commitment to um, working together and making this a lot easier for the restaurant, because in general. don't think that restaurants are at the place where they're having dedicated IT, unfortunately.
1: Most of them are not, unless they're unless they're a group with economies of scale. Exactly. We are going to take a quick break and find out who the sponsor of this episode is. Tech Bytes and Heritage Radio Network are on the air, thanks to the generosity of our members, many of whom are listeners like you, grants and underwriters like this one. Stay with
0: us. You
1: are listening to Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is online with Bento Box, really one of the leading providers of online services for restaurants. If you are interested in taking a look at what they have to offer, find them online, getbento.com. You can find them on Twitter at get underscore bento and Instagram at getbento. And we are talking with Crystal Mobayani, who is CEO and founder of Bento Box, about their annual Restaurant Trends Report. If you're interested in the data and the numbers, you can take a look at the report online. You can find it at 2021restaurants.com. And that's 2021 numerically and restaurants, all lowercase.com. I mean, that's the trend report for 2021. Not surprising. Everyone's trying to integrate and get a footing in what we call the new normal. I almost feel like we call it the new normal to make ourselves feel better. Like it's psychological because we're using the word normal versus just the new day or the new paradigm, (laughs) something about normal, just, you know, intellectually being like a security blanket word. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, We Um, don't live in a dystopia. This is this is normal. Exactly. Um, but I mean, all the trends are, I think, as if you were going to guess what they would be, you could figure it out. Online ordering trends have changed the way restaurants do business. Yep. You know, restaurants are using more tech. Um, and again, the one that was really breathtaking to me was that restaurants uh, saved $3.85 million from using third party apps by just doing it themselves, which is amazing we've covered delivery yep. quite a bit on this show and that is a staggering and very real number looking forward to 2022 you know certainly automation restaurants evolving food delivery was also one of your things to watch for 2022 what are we what are we watching for there yeah i mean we
2: are i mean we are seeing um again like a huge um a uh, shift to how restaurants can actually um, take ownership, again, like going back to those um, first party kind of solutions, um, and how can they replicate the experience um, and the hospitality that they provide now that uh, delivery is such a, or online ordering is such a, you know, over 50% of their revenue as as compared to like pre-pandemic when it was before, when it was under 50%. And I think that one thing, you know, um, starting to integrate that more into the entire experience, like right now, let's say you're a table service type of restaurant, you don't know, um, you can't connect the dots between a person walking in the door, um, a person ordering online, and uh, a person that maybe bought a gift card for their loved one, and it's the same person, um, but y- y- you don't know that. And you know, if you if you could connect those dots, you could see delivery kind of evolving to provide that kind of same level of hospitality. Like you ordered the chocolate cake la- when you were in, um, when you're ordering online, you know, they throw in a little freebie of that same chocolate cake because they know. You know, you ordered it last time. Like those moments and evolving delivery to be really not like this ancillary thing that happens on the side, but an integrated part of the experience, I think, um, is, is really interesting. And I think a lot of restaurants are looking for new ideas to make, you know, their off premise offerings stand out in that way.
1: Now that it is simply a part of business. It was for many restaurants prior to the pandemic, but now, um, so much consumer behavior has shifted. Even yeah. if people are able to physically walk back into a restaurant, some people are choosing not to, um, whether it's because they're more comfortable at home, they're getting more work done, they like the environment, it's easy. Um, lots and lots of different reasons, or maybe they're just not comfortable going back into a restaurant. So I think the way it goes back to that new normal idea where, you know, behavior patterns have changed, and probably there's some of it that is permanent or will continue as it is. You know, technology can be so intimidating, even on a personal level. Uh, I recently got a new phone and, you know, the whole whole exercise of porting your data from one phone to the next, (laughs) and where are my things, and something disappeared, and oh my gosh, what my, 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 you know, subway swipe thing is not working. And now what do I do? And, you know, it's, it's challenging, even just on a very, very small personal level. Yep. It's pretty overwhelming, I think on the restaurant level, especially when figuring it out is accelerated by the emotional distress of just the times that we live in. What, what are some easy, what's an easy way for a restaurant to, to sort of stop and, take a look at their website and their technology and just an easy way to just start to, you know, in a calm and orderly fashion, look at things. Because it's also very overwhelming if you take a step back and you look at the entire digital footprint of a restaurant and the entire sort of digital ecosystem that they have. I mean, we haven't even talked about the internal POS systems and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it can be overwhelming to even want to try to make it better and more efficient. So when you, when you're talking to restaurants, what's, what's the easy way for them to just start looking at things without it being overwhelming and and get to a solution that's going to be really helpful in a, in a nuts and bolts and nickel and dimes kind of way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, there's a couple areas where you see certain things that, um, appear in various places uh, throughout the for a restaurant operator. And, you know, one one of those things is menus. Another one of those things is, uh, you know, orders. But let's take menus. You have menus in your restaurant. You have like you have menus online. You have menus in on your online ordering. Um, and so if you take these little chunks, if you can think about, you know, how can you spend less time on menus? If you can imagine that and then, you know, you've got your menus that potentially you know, are available on Facebook, maybe, Um, you know, Google sometimes displays menus as well. You know, we have this tool where um, the menus uh, uh, from your website can go into like Facebook and Google automatically. If you use our online ordering, you know, we can port over the menus from your website. um, So you have a good starting point. And so I think taking things in chunks and just seeing like, okay, how can I just cut out the amount of operational burden in, you know, one little segment of my business, um, I think is an interesting place to start. And then again, this is kind of where some of these like automation tools can, can come in. Um, and I think if you look at it in these kind of more narrow scope ways, it might, you know, present itself as hopefully a little less overwhelming.
1: That's a good idea. Start with maybe the thing that's you deal with every day. That's, helpful to the restaurant, but also consumer facing. Everybody's dealing with the menus on both sides of the equation. Is there something that you are um, working on now that you can share with us? I mean, I know sometimes, you know, in technology, these things are uh, behind the curtain, but are, are there things that, you know, based on what you're seeing and the evolution, I mean, again, um, I, I can't imagine how challenging it must be to try and predict an unpredictable industry, and then build mm-hmm. something to meet it at the road when it needs it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds yeah. like a very um, challenging uh, way to have to run a business. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think the one thing I, I, I can share is that um, you know recently we became part of Fiserv, which owns Clover, the POS. And we've been exploring um, a lot of opportunities to create a much more seamless experience between the POS and online experience. Uh, experience. I mean, we have such a, BentoBox has such a robust set of like digital tools and having a much more deeper integration with the the point of sale. And again, like, you know, bringing up like the menus and orders and, you know, a, a view of, of the diner. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to help streamline that for the restaurant owner and operator. And um, we're spending a lot of time on that.
1: That's exciting. Streamlining. Uh, It would be great. I think everybody wants to streamline their life and their technology, not just business owners, but Mm -hmm. consumers as well. And if we could Streamline it um in certain ways. I think that would be great. Streamlining is also streamlining convenience is also part of the equation of how third party apps just came to dominate mm-hmm. the space so much um, yeah. because once people plug their information into an app, it just became so much easier just to do that. It's why PayPal works and Apple pay works and and all those different types of things. So, Their convenience is fantastic, but there is a flip side to it. Um, And we didn't talk about it on on this episode, but I did note that part of your, um, you know, talking about emerging trends and talking about delivery, you do mention the ultra-fast delivery, which, you know, was really popular in Europe and is now hitting the U.S. and primarily, of course, in New York City, because this is the um, sandbox everybody test runs in, 15-minute grocery grocery delivery, which is the ultra-convenience. Um, which is great, but the flip side of that is at what cost? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in,
2: I mean, kind of jumping back to something else you were saying, I, I'm curious, like, I agree with you in terms of us having our information in, like, these various apps, but, and I don't know how much online ordering you do, but do you, I feel like consumers probably find, at this point, the choice paralysis on apps to be quite overwhelming as well. Um, and there is something to be said for like knowing what you're in the mood for and being able to like go directly to that. I mean, do you have like that same experience in
1: terms of what's this, available? This may be very surprising or not surprising. Um, I never get delivery. Oh, Yeah. Um, I never. never get delivery. Oh, never. I can't even remember the last time I got delivery to my home. Even pickup? Very, very rarely. Very, very rarely. Um I do, you know, I, I will I will footnote that by saying we do a lot of home cooking here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We do a lot of home cooking. um, And, you know, when we support restaurants, we'll just go and, you know, go eat in the restaurant. Or we did a lot of, um, you know, restaurant T-shirts and buying swag and, you know, that type of thing um, more Mm -hmm. so than um, delivery. But, you know, excessive choice, certainly. Choice fatigue, definitely. Um, you know, which one is easier or which one makes more sense or which one am I going to get like, you know, I don't know, airline points for because someday I'm going to go on vacation mm-hmm. someday. I, I, the thing that fascinates me about consumer choice when it comes to the third party delivery apps and restaurants is people are voracious about knowing where their food is coming from right yeah. now I mean people yeah. have always been very concerned I mean the rise of you know farm to table and organic and fair trade and all those types of things come from consumers being more and more educated and wanting to know more and more where their food comes from and wanting transparency from companies that make their food and then mm-hmm. making decisions. You know, philosophical, intellectual, political, personal value decisions about what they're going to buy and what they're going to eat based on how a company functions. You know, the yeah. whole plant-based movement is based on people really focusing on the environment and making choices about that. The thing that's fascinating to me about delivery is not so much the the, the choice fatigue, which is definitely real. But no one seems to be particularly interested in the last mile of delivery. Mm -hmm. We're so concerned about the farmer and the person and who picked it and how, you know, the animals were treated or the environment and the water and the carbon footprint. But people are almost turning a blind eye because of convenience to the actual person who knocks on your door.
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I completely, completely agree. I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, the point you were making about fifteen minute grocery delivery. <laughs> I mean, at some point, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's it, it gets it gets a bit ridiculous. You know, just you know, it I, takes a little bit of advanced planning to you know be able to you know to, to not need you know grocery fifteen minute delivery. grocery and, delivery. And yeah, yeah. And we functioned in in this kind of world um, for hundreds of years, and so you know it it's it, it's a it's a bit bizarre that it is um, it's becoming a necessity. Just the speed at which things we didn't know we needed you.
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, I mean, and you're an entrepreneur, and um, you know, you are a you know creator of companies and and problem solving and things like that. You know, again, I, I've talked a lot about delivery. I get pitches from delivery apps and third-party apps and, and all these different types of things and, you know, help restaurants take back their, their you know, take back their business from third-party apps. And I'm a big supporter of that. And BentoBox is a tech platform, which is fantastic. So people can save, you know, $40 million a year. Yeah. But tech platforms don't get you to the last mile, and I'm mm-hmm. sort of curious and waiting for who will the like disruption company be that comes to yeah. take on delivery that is gonna disrupt the structure of the last mile? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that you know, the technology platform is great and it's critical. And, you know, all the things that we've talked about, you know, it not only is it critical just for doing business generally, and it was critical for doing business prior, you know, you should know where your customers are and who owns that relationship. It's all about owning the relationship with your customers. But that last mile, I'm waiting for someone to come and say like, and, you know, we're going to disrupt the delivery business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you
2: could see that going a couple of directions. You could see, you know, um, a system by which it's less like exploitative of, mm-hmm. you know, individuals. And, uh, which would be great, and that, or you could see a system that, you know, takes the human element out of it, which is mm-hmm. going down a whole other road. Mm-hmm. And so um, it would be, you know,
1: yeah. interesting to see. Which apparently yeah. they have robot and drone delivery out in California, so we're going to maybe do a show about that. Yeah, um, yeah, As always, it is a pleasure to talk with Crystal Mobiani. She has been on the show for years and years talking about her business, Bento Box. If you want to check them out, they are at getbento.com. You can follow them on Twitter at get underscore bento, on Instagram at getbento. We've been talking about their annual year-end report, which tracks data from more than 7,500 restaurants that are on their platform. It's a fascinating read. If you're in the business, covering the business, use the business. Um, It's a a nice, tight, jam-packed report um, and it might help you make some decisions as a restaurant owner going forward also might help you make some decisions as a consumer in terms of how you go to restaurants you can find that report online 2021restaurants.com we have lots and lots of episodes in the Tech Bytes archive online at heritageradionetwork.org if you want to hear more thoughts from Crystal she started way back in episode 126 back in 2018 I'm happy to have her back. I'm happy to still be on the air since 2015, going into year seven. Heritage Radio Network has been live on the air for more than a decade. We have more than 15,000 episodes in our archive of every imaginable topic from cheese to fermentation to the restaurant business to school lunch to the farm report. We have a show you would probably love to listen to. Come and visit us, listen, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. If you really love these stories and you think it's important to record, save and share this information, go to heritageradionetwork.org donate and become a member. It'll help us make more radio and help us talk to you again next week. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi and this is Tech Bites. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage radio.